0: Morning, Craig. How are you? Hey, Paul. I'm well. How are you? Doing great. We're this is you know you're you're our inaugural guest on our comeback show, Craig. You and I talked back in 2018, <laughs> but we've been off the air for 204 weeks uh because of COVID and uh the station we were on closed down. So we are able to link up with the new sports station here in, in Edmonton. So you're you're it, man. You're you're man. I'm. I'm honored.
1: I, so this is the uh the the kickoff show of of a whole new era.
0: A whole new era and you you're the guy that gets to lead us off, so we're really thrilled and thanks so much for making time to join us today. Absolutely. Glad to be a part of it. Now, the Utah Jazz, I think it's safe to say Craig, over the past few years has uh been one of the most uh most active franchises in in the NBA in changing its entire makeup, really. I mean, from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell to your present lineup today, and of course, that was even accentuated a little bit more by the trade that they just pulled off with the Raptors. What What are your initial impressions of what the moves of the moves that were made by the Jazz in their trade with the Raptors?
1: You know, Paul, it's a, it's it's tough to see really high quality individuals you know leave a franchise because you know last year at this time it was Mike Pondley, Malik Beasley who really helped his team just with the three-point game, and uh, Vanderbilt, uh, as we call him, Vando. But this year, um, up to the trade deadline, a quality individual than Kelly Olenek. Uh, two guys I really you know liked a lot was Ochai Abaji, who you're going to enjoy. Uh, just a, an absolute high-level athlete who's learning his way uh, to become an NBA professional. And then uh, Simone Fontecchio, who was uh, – uh, just a second-year pro, but a 28-year-old from uh, Italy who um, had a chance to play for Danny Ainge in Boston but decided to stay back in Italy and play in the leagues in 2016 and then uh, joined the Jazz. When Danny, here's the key, Danny Ainge is uh, the, the, the man behind all these moves. And Ryan Smith, Paul, is the new owner of the Utah Jazz, uh, the Larry Miller family. Uh, Decided to sell a a couple, three years ago, and Ryan Smith and his wife Ashley stepped in and uh, bought the franchise and then brought Danny uh, out of semi-retirement, basically, to say, hey, help me direct uh, the new direction of this team. And one of his first things, he observed uh, the Jazz with Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Uh, There was kind of a split there. Uh, COVID, as you just said, was tough on a lot of people A lot of companies, a lot of families, a lot of individuals. But I think for the Jazz, it kind of split the locker room a bit. And with Donovan and Rudy kind of the centerpiece of that night when we were in Oklahoma City when everything uh, shut down around the NBA. So that was March of 2020. We're coming up on the four-year anniversary of that. And Ainge observed for a year and then decided to make those two big moves along then with Conley, which was kind of the heart and soul of this franchise at the point and then this year, he continues to kind of just put the foundation pieces back in place for what the what the Jazz uh, ultimate goal is, and that's to be a major player and an NBA champion uh, in the West. So, um, you know, I love Olenek. Uh, I'm not going to downplay that. <laughs> I think he's one of the most high-quality individuals I've been around in a short period of time, less than two years. Uh, but, you know, you know when you have a pro's pro, and that's who uh, Kelly O is. We had a lot of fun with with Kelly, my partner, Big T Thurl Bailey, who played at North Carolina
0: State, with Jimmy oh, What a great name! I, I just—I'm <laughs> an old guy, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, like, he's in the middle of my viewing, but uh, I love yeah. the name Thurl Bailey. Yeah,
1: Big T's great, but you know, he called him the Clinic, uh, Kelly O. You know, Olenek the Clinic, and he really is Paul. Uh, you know, he has probably guard skills trapped in a six eleven body. Uh, he loves to get his teammates involved. He's a great rebounder, strong. He can knock that three down as good as anyone. Doesn't take a lot of threes. In fact, I think uh, Will Hardy, the young head coach of the Jazz, tried to say, you know, go ahead and take the three. But he's such a, uh, a team-oriented type of player, and you can't overlook that. He's a terrific addition. Toronto. He'll be help. He'll be a great help for young players as that, as that franchise continues to grow its, uh, grow its way back.
0: You know, I, I as as you were talking, my my mind's just flooding with uh, Utah Jazz history, bringing it up to the present time. But but tell me about now the new reconstructed uh, jazz lineup. You have one of the great players, and I think doesn't get enough attention in Markkinen, uh who is just mm-hmm. a, a phenomenal player, I, I believe. But but talk about the team as a whole. You've got a young head coach. You've got Danny Ainge putting his. Uh, Put, you know, putting his mark on the on the franchise as he tries to rebuild towards that goal and rebuilding's tough. In any pro sport, it's really really tough. Danny has a history of being able to put great lineups together. His uh, basketball IQ is off the charts. So tell tell me about your thoughts and reflections about this new reconstructed lineup and the direction it's going.
1: Uh, Paul, he has a a bucket full, not a pocket, but a bucket full of future first-round draft picks between 24 and 2029. Uh, It's just going to be amazing to see how he uses those in this process. Um, Colin Sexton, I'm going to start there with the the guard line of Dunn and Sexton. Uh, Chris Dunn's trying to reinvent himself back to who everyone thought he would be uh, coming out of Providence. And he's a terrific defender. I think he's finally realized that's who he is. He's not going to be an offensive threat every night. But if he can give you 10 points, it's a a real bonus. The other part of the equation is, are the Jazz settled in on Colin Sexton at the two spot? I think he's helped himself by being able to be coached by Will Hardy, and he's open to it. Uh, They're very... Uh, aggressive with each other, but in a good way. Colin had to understand he had to pull the reins back and just couldn't play as out of control or as physical as he wanted to, and I think Sexton's make big steps in that regard. John Collins was a new guy that Jazz brought in from Atlanta, and he had struggles early, but he's starting to understand uh, the Will Hardy system and that you have to play defense or you don't get on the floor. And then you get to marketing. who just, man, has blossomed. all star year. Oh, my God. Catch and shoot with the best in the league, and that's why he's going to be uh, in Indiana uh, for the All-Star game in the three-point contest. He'd rather be playing in the All-Star game, but I think he'll take the three-point deal. And then the bench is still kind of under construction. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Six man a couple three years ago uh, still has that wiggle we call him the flame because uh, he can knock it down from about any spot on the floor and then we get into the young guys which I think are are, intri- are intriguing Walker Kessler second year big uh, block shot artist Keontae George may be the future of the jazz in the guard line he's the 16th pick out of Baylor and so they must have felt very confident Paul with him and I like the way he plays in fact the last ten games he seems to have pushed through that quote rookie wall. But he seems to be coachable. He's hungry. He's um a young player who just uh you know eats up tape and film on his opponent and he's a gym rat. So I think that fits the Danny Ainge profile to be honest with you. And and then we'll just kind of wait and see what where he goes with uh the rest of the guys, the Taylor Hendricks that he picked at number nine last year. And then um uh sends a ball, the young kid uh out of Ohio state who was injured uh just late in the season but can shoot the 3 so there's some pieces here but i think they're going to use these last 29 or so games to really evaluate uh the rest of the way until they make some big decisions in the uh, excuse me <coughs> in the off season so it's going to be fun to watch you know it's a rebuild you want them to happen overnight but as you know it doesn't happen that quick it takes time
0: it takes it takes a long time to build a house. Uh, we're talking with Craig Bowlerjack, the KJZZ jazz play by play announcer. You know, I'm an American. I've lived in Canada since 1986, uh, Craig, but I still I've still never adjusted to the Z for the Z that they use up here. So, so, <laughs> so it's so uh, we're talking with Craig. Uh, now, now, Craig, I, I gotta I've got to talk on marketing because uh, not this past season, season before uh, we had the uh, Jazz in the first exhibition game come to Edmonton, Alberta, and play against the Toronto right. Raptors. What I couldn't get over wasn't just marketing and skill set, which, of course, is what you measure a basketball player by, but how big the guy is. I mean, oh, he's a yeah. big guy, and his that, that, that ability to catch and shoot and put it on the floor and play back to the basket – and he's really tough. Uh, he's a tough, hard-headed competitor, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he, he, uh, he takes this game as serious as anyone that I've been around. And he's in his seventh year, Paul, as you know, and they call him the finisher because of his Finland Finnish background. <laughs> the finisher really That's fits tremendous. him well, honestly. But, you know, he uh, he is big. Seven-footer, 230, great feet. Um, you know, he's coachable. He still, ha- I still think, honestly, not just because I said, you know, alongside T and call games, but I think he still has more and, and, you know, more left to improve. Um, Hardy works with him a lot on just where to put the ball on his hip. When he turns, sometimes he gets, you know, he turns it over, uh, because he's so big, you know, players on a smaller size come in and try to take it out of his, uh, you know, hip pocket, but, I just think he's a great, better rebounder than I ever thought. And you know what, Paul, when they parked him in Chicago and in the early days of his career, all they did was put him in the corner to shoot threes. He's, Gosh, I'm glad that he was able to, you know, his game has expanded and he's proven uh, the three-level scoring ability that he has. Good mid-range, he's strong on the offensive board, so he put it back up and in. Good defensive rebounder good outlet passer, and again, the three ball is everything in the NBA, as you know. That's where it's at, Three, the, the power of the three. And if you can step out as a seven-footer or a trailer like Nowitzki, uh, and you know what, he was compared to, to, to Dirk not long ago uh, by one of our head coaches, uh, one of the opponents. I can't remember if it was uh, about two weeks ago, and we are all sitting there like, wow, that's what the opponent sees on a nightly basis. And it gives you kind of a great insight when the opponent – Actually defines who they need to you know put on their on their list on uh, their defensive watch list. But uh, Dirk was incredible and, and totally changed the game as a seven footer with the three ball. And Markkinen has a lot of those same skills and maybe even a a little bit more athletic than Dirk. Uh, Dirk kind of slowed down late in his career with the knees and ankles, but you know who who doesn't right? But uh, Markkinen right now is at the height of his career. And just a, I, I would put him uh, as an athlete. Uh, who's a seven-footer who can play all three levels offensively.
0: You know, I would be remiss, uh, Craig, if I didn't take advantage of the opportunity to talk to you about the great Utah Jazz teams with Stockton and Malone and how I thought, you know, different teams throughout the history of the NBA have made different impressions on the ladder of progression of the game in how the how the game is played today, like you know whether it's back with Russell and Chamberlain uh, leading into bird magic then Jordan, of course, you know we can define that. but Stockton and Malone and the Utah Jazz, I mean when you look at how the NBA is today and the pick and roll what I would call hyper dependency in so many of the offensive uh, offensive schemes, you can really trace the I think maximizing the impact of the pick and roll, to John Stockton and Carl Malone. Is that a fair statement?
1: No, oh, it's it's a great statement. I mean it is the statement. You cannot say Stockton without Malone. Uh my my buddy who passed away, the great hot rod Huntley, made a living for almost nineteen years. Stockton and Malone, Stockton and Malone, Stockton and Malone. <laughs> I mean no one everyone knew it was coming, but no one could stop it. All time assists leader, all time steals leader. Karl Malone now number three all-time scoring. Uh, thanks to LeBron, you know, bumping out. Will, uh, excuse me, Kareem as well. Um, those two were polar opposites in personality, but you could not get a better combination and better guys at the time. Karl loved the camera. John could care less. So to get two Hall of Famers, top 50 players in NBA history. To coexist, Paul, for 18 years in the world we live in today is unbelievable. And I tell you, I think that the reason is Jerry Sloan, Hall of Fame coach, tough guy, Chicago, uh, uh, you know, his name is Jerseys in the Raptors in Chicago. Um, You know, Jerry was a big part of what the Jazz were and what they became. Uh, He was a no-nonsense guy but still had a heart at goal. He didn't want people to see that, but he had a great connection in the locker room with players. And the respect that he, he gained from each and every one of those guys uh, still, I think, lives on today. Greg Ostertag, yeah, he had verbal conflicts with him and challenged him to be a better big. And Ostertag still, when I see him, still emotional about, wish I could replay my career with Jerry just because I could have been better. Jerry was trying to pull it down on me. Hornacek was really another big piece, Paul, of that run to the titles in 97 and 98. Uh, He gave the Jazz an outside presence they had never had, and that really pushed the Jazz over the top into into those two final runs against Jordan and the Bulls. Gosh, they were close. And you know what? The city's not forgotten, and and they're still hungry, and hoping Danny Ainge can lead them back to a Western Conference championship and obviously a chance to win win a title. Uh, Those were special teams, but also they were led by I thought three incredible men at the time and Jerry Sloan and then Stockton and Malone really just bought into what Jerry needed. And he couldn't have had two better players at that time. Uh, and to get them in mid-round, first rounds, and people thought, who, Stockton? And they called him the dirtiest player <laughs> all time in the NBA. That's kind of funny because he's one, But you know what? He'd take on anybody. And, you know, that's just his attitude. He always said, hey, throw a penny on the floor. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go out there, and, and I'm going to win that battle. And that, I think he'd probably, you know, knock his, uh, he would probably, you know, throw his dad to the floor just to win a loose ball. <laughs> I'm kidding, but no, I, mean, not, not, I don't was, think you are.
0: I think you're right. You know, I, uh, what John I heard was the
1: ultimate competitor. Yeah. Well,
0: That's what amazing. I heard, I, I, I was casual friends with Rick Majerus and, um, he recruited my son and, uh, he's best friends, with, uh, the, the late, great Rick Majeris best friends with one of my best right. friends. And so. Uh, got to know Rick, and I have some, just some unbelievable – anybody who know who knew Rick has great Rick Majerus stories because that was a character oh, yeah. of characters. But uh, Majerus said Stockton never lost a wind sprint in practice. Never. That's unbelievable. Uh, no.
1: No, he would challenge you as a rookie like, what do you got? <laughs> and so they made it – you know, Paul, what's interesting is that those two, I'm speaking of Stockton alone, they are the breed where it, there's not very many and this world left today where they refused no matter their age to be beaten, that they wanted to show what it took to be a pro, the off season conditioning. I mean, Carl, Carl's off season conditioning program. I mean, think about running with a parachute on your back up the Wasatch mountains. He didn't want to be beaten. Uh, he wanted to be the best power forward of the game. And John Stockton wanted to outlast you. And by the way, Stock barely sweat. I mean, he, he, would, he would look at you like, you want out? I'm not. Let's go. And that's the mental side of both those guys. They were just mentally tough. And they had dual respect. And that's the beauty. I mean, again, I don't think two guys could really play on the same team at that level and ex- achieve exactly what they what they did. And get along without, you know, one state "I got to get out of here. This is not. This is my team. No, it's mine." You know how it is. And oh, they yeah. want to build the super the super team. Uh, they were able to coexist, and I think that's one of the best compliments I can give them that they were able to play together for such a long time and had that much success. Uh, but they understood each other. They had the sixth sense. We're doing the 50th anniversary of the Jazz from New Orleans to Utah. And I had a chance to talk to Carl. I saw John at Malone's birthday party. And, you know, we brought up these conversations and he said, you know what? People just don't get it that we knew where each other were. And, you know, when you go so many reps, Paul, so many years together, it just becomes like he's right there. And I know exactly where he'll be. And that's what made Stockton special. And Carl was there to deliver. And obviously he became one of the top scores in the NBA because of Stockton and stocks, the top assist man, which I don't think that record is going to be broken, at least in our lifetime and the way you know players are today um i mean Stockton that steals lead that steals a record and, and assist record man both of both of those are going to stand tall for a long time
0: well they really are and uh, we're talking with Craig Bolajak, KJZZ Jazz play-by-play announcer here on the on Sports 1440 on the basketball show uh, it, it, do you have time for two other quick uh two other quick conversation points Craig Sure, sure. Great. I, I sense that you don't mind talking about the jazz history, so this is great. Uh, the, y- oh, no. <laughs> you know,
1: I covered these guys when I was just a young guy coming to Salt Lake. Uh, I came out here at first as a you know, nightly 6 and 10 o'clock sportscaster, and I find myself doing the jazz now years later, which has been a blessing. But, yeah, I, was, I came the same summer that Malone was drafted in 85. Oh, I boy. was just like 24 years old. So I, I know Malone well. I still see him quite a bit. He, he's moved back. He has a place up in Heber City, just not far from Salt Lake. And so, you know, he's tried to reengage with the Jazz, and Stockton has too. Um, I'm glad that the new ownership group has really reached out to the past because you can't talk about the future without what you built, right? And John and Carl and Antoine Parr, the big dog, Hornacek, you know, all those players, Ricky Green, Daryl Griffith. People forget some great players have – have come through the jazz franchise. And I think they're trying to embrace what was to help build what hopefully will be.
0: Uh, I am. I'm, I'm really excited to to, to hear that. Uh, I grew up loving the Boston Celtics, the old Celtics, Russell, uh, the epic battles, Russell and Chamberlain. Uh, that's one advantage of being old. I think it's probably the only one, but uh, <laughs> I got to watch Russell and Chamberlain play. But uh, two, uh, two final things. What going back to the loyalty factor, Stockton played his whole career there. Malone stayed until that ill-fated, whatever that was with the Lakers and that yeah. trying yeah. to assemble the aging super team. But uh, the loyalty factor, and and one of the stories I loved, and I believe it was both Stockton and Hornacek, the way they negotiated their contracts was to go in Larry Miller's office, sit down and come out, whatever it was, 30 to 90 minutes later with a deal done. And uh, right. that kind of that kind of mentality that John Stockton recognized. He can't spend all this money anyway if he even tried and he tried to do what was best for the team as well as get a fair deal from Miller. Is that again, is that a a pretty accurate description of what took place?
1: It is. And Paul, I'll give you a little other inside info on those negotiations that have been well uh, documented here in Salt Lake kind of behind the scenes. But uh, the way John wanted to handle things, no agents, walk in, say hey to Larry. He wrote down a number on a piece of paper, slipped it over the table. Larry wrote the number down, slipped it back. John said, good deal, done. That's how quick it was.
0: <laughs> on can you imagine paper. today? Can you imagine no. anything even resembling that today? That's, no, that's incredible. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. Larry and, and John exchanging scraps of papers with numbers on it, and it worked for both. It didn't break the bank, and John was happy to be paid that type of money in those days. Um, John, I'll tell you another story. I know you got to run, but just by chance, when I first got married and John married Nada, we happened to live next door to one another for about a year uh, in these uh, condominium, uh, single, you know, it, 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 there was space between yards and stuff. But I'd see John, I'd see Nada, and, and, and my wife would see Nada. And one day John knocked on my door and said, Buller, that contract I got, we're moving. I said, I figured you would. So, <laughs> you know, that that was part of the deal. When he, when he finally realized he was going to be a, a, a major player with this franchise and that everyone in the league understood that a guy from Gonzaga, much like Kelly O, Kelly Olenek, that place just punched out have punched out just incredible basketball players and John, I don't think he felt like uh, when we talked to him about the 50th anniversary, he didn't think he'd last training camp and look what, what he became. I mean, it's amazing. So he never took anything for granted and the money wasn't, maybe it was important. Let's not be, yeah, honestly, everybody wants to be paid, but John wasn't over the top with that. He wanted to be the best at his craft be paid fairly, and I think you know that's the beauty of Stockton too. And Carl Malone, they, they again, you go back, Larry handled them like sons in a way. Larry Miller and Jerry Sloan was the big father in this whole thing. I know it sounds crazy, but it doesn't happen often that you get a coach that is able to communicate and get that type of play from two great players, and all three are Hall of Famers. It's, it's really a great story.
0: It's a fantastic story and, and and one that will never probably be repeated. So, final – well, and unfortunately, we do have to run, but one final question. Uh, Brian Russell, uh, we had a pro league up here in Edmonton uh, that we were part of. It was one of the many failed – I call them the white crosses on the basketball highway of failed minor league basketball leagues. Uh, right. but we had one, the IBL. And Brian Russell and a couple of other NBA guys played on a team out of Los Angeles that passed his jazz career. So I saw Brian after the game we played, which we, we kicked their butts. We had, we had a pretty good team. But Brian, I said, okay, Brian, did Michael Jordan push off? He said, hell yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, that really is one of the most uh, iconic moments in, in in the playoffs, in the, in the championships, Um you know, the other one was that uh, the pizza gate, where they thought he ate bad pizza, or you know, he was sick. And yes. I watched him like, how can this guy play basketball? And he can barely lift his head, you know, on the on the on the on the uh, the sideline on the bench. Uh, There's others who said he went to Vegas on his private jet overnight. I mean, you know, all types of stories came out of that thing. But, you know, I've looked at that video, Paul, a thousand times. And, you know, one angle says yes, one angle, well, maybe, you know. But in reality, if you ask B. Rush, yeah, he told you exactly what he tells everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Hell, yeah, he pushed off. And, you know, that one moment, as close as those series were, uh, it just takes a moment in time like that to change the outcome. Uh, and Jazz fans talk about it to this day. Honestly, it still comes up all the time, the push, uh, the push off by Jordan just to get that little space that he needed to put, to knock down the shot. Uh, but those were two great series, man. I was luckily, luckily, lucky to be a part of both and cover them, and it was just amazing uh, the energy that came out of both those series. Uh, some of the best-watched basketball ever on national television, you know, when in the day when everything was so semi-free <laughs> yep. before before cable uh, really came in and pay-per-view. But uh, it's uh, it was fun. It was fun to be a part of. And the Jazz, again, they celebrate 50 years, Paul. They're hoping uh, after this long time away from the spotlight of the championship runs that Danny Ainge has something magical left that he can find those pieces that the foundation maybe has already been built because – the Jazz, you know, just the whole concept of the franchise, I think, still stays the same. Hard work, and stay together, and I think this locker room is examples of that even today. And that's why Olenek is so will be dismissed. He was such a big part in such a short period of time to to bond that group with Market and and uh, Fontecchio and uh, Colin Sexton. They were they were pretty. Uh, that, that was a pretty downtrodden locker room the other night, uh, knowing that those those lockers were empty. But Kelly is going to be a great addition to Toronto, and obviously everyone in Canada knows the man, KO, as we call him, Kelly Olenek. Uh, but the Jazz hope to get back to that level one day, and uh, hopefully Danny Ainge has the right pieces and a little magic uh, to sprinkle around with those draft picks to make it happen.
0: Craig, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for uh, spending the time with us today. I hope we can do this again soon. And uh, all the best to you, all the best to the Jazz for the remainder of the season. And, uh, again, thanks for your time and joining us on the basketball show.
1: Absolutely, Paul. Hey, and congratulations being back. And uh, great great success to you along the way. Anytime you need, just call up. We'll be here.